Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. This is our Southridge member podcast, helping people get the inside scoops on what's going on in the life of our church. And uh, today I have returning guest, Kathy Van Driel, our finance and HR director. So Kathy, say hi to everybody. Hello, everyone. Uh, give us a little bit of just the history of your last seven or eight months and what it's looked like for you navigating COVID and even how you're how you're dealing with all that these days. Yeah, for us, um, it's definitely been the added uh, layer of my husband is a frontline worker. So for those of you who don't know, my husband, Dave, works at the Southridge Shelter on the front line. So definitely kind of navigating alongside him as he's navigating um, what that is in the day-to-day there has been something that we're, we're continuing to navigate as a family, um, as well as we had a, a renovation actually planned before COVID. So we were kind of managing that amid the the pandemic and working from home made that a bit easier for me. And now we're just trying to tie up, you know, those last few things that you got to do that just seem to linger. Uh, we're doing that right now. And yeah, trying to dance the dance of my to-do list, which gives stress to Dave, maybe in addition to the stress he experiences at work. So we're just trying to kind of manage that together. With your renovation, did you create any kind of office nook or workspace? No, not in the renovation. I am in the the guest bedroom is now my office slash the bed has become a secondary desk where I just pile okay. additional documents. So nope. Because that's been that the thing, right? For everybody, yes. their their capacity to work from home is at one level directly related to the 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 facility space that they've got in their house to do work. And yeah, I know some people have been relegated to closets and things to try to get stuff done, but it's good if you have a spare a spare room that you can Yeah, that's worked well for me for sure. Yep. Excellent. Um anything else you want to say about your home life? You have a dog. I understand yes, these days. Yes, yes. So we've had a dog. We weren't one of the people who got a dog in COVID, although we did debate about getting a second one briefly, but decided that probably wasn't wise in the midst of a renovation to have a puppy. So our one <laughs> dog, Harley, she's still here uh, keeping me company. And I think she likes having me around. At least I tell myself she does as I'm working from home. So we spend a lot more time together and as an extreme introvert, I got to say the working from home, I have enjoyed. And um, well, I was going to ask that too, like, you know, you're talking about your home life, but now talk about your work life. Like how, how has your role been going through the pandemic? It sounds like the capacity to, to, to get that kind of stuff done out of your house has been rather convenient. Yeah, it has been very convenient. I, as much as I do love my coworkers, the, just the interruptions of when I'm in the middle of the task drivenness, I guess that is more my job and even my personality. I've just seen the upside of being able to be from home and have more uh, focused time to be able to um, just get the things done that I need to get done. So I've enjoyed that part and, and Zoom with folks once in a while, which is great too. Well, that's great. Uh, I feel like we'll dive right in. And uh, again, thanks for being here. We want to have a bit of an inside scoop conversation about our favorite subject around here, uh, talking about money. And with two months to go now, uh, before year end, in the middle of a once every hundred years or so global pandemic, uh, I know there's been a conversation that many people are interested in. And so 
Uh, I hope if you're if you're listening and listening, and maybe even specifically because of this subject, uh, know that you're not alone. A lot of people are curious on how we're kind of navigating finances in our church economy these days. So uh, let's just dive in first with a bit of economic review, Kath. I know that um, since COVID hit, obviously, this is something we've been monitoring very closely. And our first real benchmark was kind of the mid-year June 30th uh, data. And, you know, we were kind of halfway through the year, but only three months affected by COVID. And I would say at that point, we were relatively optimistic. Um, Describe why that would have been the case. Yeah, for sure. I think we were, I was pleasantly surprised. I'll say an optimistic, uh, we were generally because more revenue um, was coming in than we anticipated in light of the pandemic. Like, of course, there's things like you say, three months in now, we felt like that's barely anything compared to where we are now. So there's still a lot of uncertainty. So uh, we were just really um, happy with the amount of revenue had come in in light of just the newness of the pandemic and just the way it has unsettled a lot of people um, in their jobs or financially or whatever. So. Yeah, for those listening, you know, we monitor pretty much on a weekly basis the the the, the financial trending and especially the 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 trending related to our donations giving, and you know, the big number for us is the year over year. How are we doing compared to last year? And you know, we were we were trending quite similarly. Our budget was somewhat similar to last year, and so we we're trending kind of similar to last year. And then COVID hit. And I mean, obviously there were economic impacts of the initial lockdown. I know in a family like ours, you know, Becky started uh, immediately being unable to work for those first three months. And uh, so you heard different stories about how people were navigating that. And so, like you said, for the first three months of COVID, the second three months of our our fiscal year, we wondered what was going to happen. And yet by June 30th, what was the number? We were within a percentage point of our overall kind of year to date, year over year revenue. What Do you remember what that number was? I think it was like, yeah, 0.6 or something like that. So it was even Yeah, like, I think yeah, so too. We were like 99, yeah. 99.4% of our year over year revenue or 0.6% down. That's what I remember. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, so like you said, when we assumed that by mid-year there would be an economic impact to uh, to our budget, to our revenue because of the pandemic. What was pleasantly surprising was that we weren't seeing one at that mm-hmm. point, even right. though, you know, greenhouses were shut down and people were unemployed and, and you know, there was a lot going on where people weren't, weren't collecting income. And so that was kind of a, a pleasant surprise, I would say. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, from, from, the insider perspective, and I'll make this this uh, comment again for those listening. I know every time that we we talk with you, Kathy, we want people to, to be clear that there actually is only one person in our whole community, our whole organization that sees behind the curtain of the financial giving individual by individual and family by family, and that's you. So oh, that's I probably true. wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. That's a lot <laughs> of knowledge to carry. Yeah. But uh, I'm curious from your perspective, obviously, without betraying any confidences, um, especially in that area era of March to June, was there anything that you could notice when it came to financial giving, knowing that certain people were affected economically, and yet this was our overall result? Was there anything that you could see kind of behind the scenes? Um, 
not like specific. I don't think that I could say, oh, this industry or these types of people based on what I know or anything like that. I just would say the at the beginning, there was for sure it was shaky in March, but to see kind of the through April and May and June that those who were able um, just continue to faithfully support and get behind what they see God doing in and through our community. I think just the rallying of that for people in that time, like knowing that there was a lot of need that people felt that responding like through their local church through Southridge was something that they wanted to do or continue to do, um, I think helped us kind of land where we did by the end of the year. Mm. Yeah. So if I was to say, okay, all expectations were that our revenue would dip once COVID hit, what would your best answer be to, to say, why didn't it, at least to June 30th? I think those who, who could um, gave uh, maybe even above and beyond what they had before or just, and people, yeah, just rallied behind that and just gave what they could and felt that being a part of Southridge and supporting in financially was something they wanted to continue to make a priority. Hmm. Yeah. And, and without knowing the numbers and the individuals, I would say that just by spirit, that that's something that I've sensed too, that when the pandemic hit, there was an instinct in many of us to actually step up mm-hmm. rather than back off. Yeah, I agree. And step up in, uh, you know, contributing in different ways in ministry, step up in care for people who might be isolated or neglected, step up in reaching out and making connections to retain community, step up and to serve the marginalized who would experience disproportionate need at that time, and to step up financially. I think that overall, there's been a, a, a spirit of not shrink back, but actually step up and let's be the church like never before when the life and love of Jesus is needed by so many like never before, that uh, I would have felt that that vibe. So to hear you kind of get that sense or validate that from a, a little bit of crude analysis of the numbers and the giving dynamics, that that doesn't surprise me. So right. I would say that was the, that was the, the, the history. Um, now let's shift gears and talk about more recent economy, because as good news as that was preliminarily, I would say, and we announced this in early September, like the summer was a totally different story. So talk about what happened to our church's giving through the two months of July and August of this year. Yeah, we saw, I would say a marked decline from there. Um, yeah, in the nine weeks of the summer, it definitely, uh, declined, quite rapidly, I would say, over that time. Yeah, it was surprising, I think. Um, again, measuring in year over year, I know we tried to carve out just the, the comparative giving of those nine weeks in 2019 compared to the nine weeks in 2020. Do you remember what was the difference in those nine weeks? Percentage-wise, I think it was about yeah. like 6%. Is that right? I'm going to suggest it was 22%. Yeah, I don't know what you mean by like over the time or the percentage at the end. That's where when we look at different. Oh, uh, you're talking about the percentage at the end, right? We went from uh, right. almost zero percent decline or a 0.6 percent decline all the way to a six percent decline at the end of right mm-hmm. at the end of August because in those two months alone, our giving was down just two months over two months. It was down twenty two percent. Ah, yeah, yeah. And okay. so looking at that, knowing that we were tracking this kind of week to week and thinking, ugh. 
ugh, it was like nine weeks in a row where we were getting punched in the gut. Um, yep. Any any sense for why you believe that degree of slide happened during those two months? I mean, I would we first I'll say in the summers we generally see a decline as people you know take off, go to the cottage, camping, what have you. In like most years, summer is a bit of that those weeks. But I would say this year, I think from being cooped up for many months in the lockdown and just even kids being home for school and things like that. I think people took advantage of those weekends in a, in a more strategic way, even if it's like just to go to the beach locally, not even necessarily to get out of town. I think much more uh, people just felt the need for a change of scene. And I think just took advantage of that in a more, more often this year, maybe than they have in years from the past. And kind of got out of the route, like the maybe the routine of church on Sunday or, or things like that. It just kind of really changed, I think, more so this year than before. That would that would be my read as well. I I, I think even just the uh, even just the online service mm-hmm. allowed people to change their routine. Where you know to attend an in-person gathering, let alone if you serve in that in-person gathering, even when you add the the time just to get ready, shower, makeup, you know, that, that kind yeah, of stuff. For sure. yeah, um, yeah. You know, Sunday morning has gone from like a four hour chunk of time to now a one hour chunk of time that you can catch up on at yeah. a different time. Mm-hmm. So the 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 online service itself does free up Sunday morning to some degree, mm-hmm. and I would agree with you that in the summer when people were starving to 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 be outdoors, to cottage more, to camp more, to go to the beach, to visit with friends, to hike, uh, there was just less engagement and more in that sense more general drift. I agree mm-hmm. with you that every summer summer is a season of drift for us. And people, you know, they, 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 we relax and we unwind and, um, you know, people are away and, and that's, that's healthy, frankly. And I think we just saw more of that this year, uh, compounded by the pandemic and then compounded even by the, the nature of the online service. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if people ask us how the summer was, the summer was a, a season of significant drift and not surprisingly or unfortunately also a season of significant drift financially. So yeah, we ended okay. up there. Yeah. So now we find ourselves a couple months into the fall. Um, what's happened lately? Has giving bounced back at all? Where, where are we at these days? Um, it hasn't bounced back much. And I was thinking about that even like, this is a maybe a whatever example, but like TV shows, like the fall premieres are like end of October. Like I feel like back into the fall routine gets later every year. Like it used to kind of be Labor Day weekend was like, now we're back to the routine and then kind of Thanksgiving. And so I'm not sure if that's what that is. If it's just the routine that people, cause it is still semi nice sometimes that maybe it's taking a bit longer for that to settle back in. Um, I'm not really sure, but I, I don't know that I've seen it bounce back as much as maybe I would have hoped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we were, man, we were looking at it uh, to the end of September. Now we've got our, our third quarter data and uh, our revenue 
uh, I believe our overall year over year comparable revenue. Now we're down 8.5%. Mm-hmm. So still declining from the, from the 6% or so uh, to the end of August. So we're at, at 8.5% down. And uh, yeah, I was curious first off, if, if there were en- any trends that you were seeing now through this, through this kickoff launch season. Yeah, like I said, I just I feel like it's maybe taken a, li- a little bit longer. I mean, even like like the weekend still, if it's nicer, people are maybe still taking advantage of that to get up north to the fall colors. I'm not sure, or camping or whatever. I I don't know. I just feel like it's maybe people are like the winter is coming and uh, they're feeling like they need to get outside before they're told. Yeah, they, they want to maximize, you know, maximize yeah. their investments, go yeah. as many hikes as they can kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, to try to get away. I, I, that's kind of what I was thinking as I kind of thought about why that would be maybe. Yeah. Now, the one, I guess the one upside to our church economy so far is that throughout this whole arc, especially since COVID hit, uh, we've also been careful to manage on the expense side. And so as we've watched this revenue decline, uh, we've also been kind of clawing back our our expenses. And so I know to the end of September, uh, while our revenue now year over year is down 8.5%, our expenses are also down. They're down 8.7%. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about that side, Kath. How, how have we been able to trim back our expenses to kind of match that uh, that curve in revenue? Sure. I think there's a few ways that we've been doing that. Um, we've been trying to be creative uh, with our ministries to get people connected in safe ways. And um, so though our ministries are up and running, I think costs are down as well due to the simplified nature of things. Like there's not necessarily like retreats that maybe certain groups would go on or events that would be maybe that would cost a bit more money or have more um, yeah, cost associated with them just Due to having to be simple um, about things, um, those costs we've been able to kind of control are those things, or they've been controlled maybe for us by the uh, simplicity of the things that we're doing right now. As well as we had some projects um, maybe that we had planned to do um, maybe in certain environments in our building that we've just decided to press pause on in order to try to be responsible with our money. And then the way things are, it's like as much as we would love to do that right now, we just don't feel is the time to do that. So things we maybe had had budgeted for this year, we've just decided that we're not going to do those this year. Just Yeah, we do have some room for what Mm -hmm. we, what we call in finance world discretionary spending. Yeah. Right. There, there, there has been some discretionary projects that, that we've been able to, to, to peel back on. The other, the other piece is, you know, we have had, some attrition and some transition in mm-hmm. some positions where we've been saving some salary as well. Yeah, I was. Yeah, that was another one I was going to say. Due to some folks with the new funding we got from the shelter, there's some folks who have transitioned to positions that's in the shelter that's funded through the region as well as yeah, like through attrition that we've just um, waited right now again, trying to be responsible with the finances that we do have just to just to hold off on um, hiring for those positions just as we try to manage and be responsible with our resources. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for people listening, just to appreciate, Hey, we're not just monitoring the revenue curve. We're also monitoring the expense curve, especially because the expense curve is the one that we have far greater control over knowing that we still have to pay for things. And there's some, some things that we have to pay for. We can't decide whether we do or don't, 
but uh, I think the expense dials are easier for us to 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 manage than the than the revenue dials sometimes. So yeah, and even with that most, though, sorry, oh, sorry, I was just gonna say like, even the things yep. we feel like we can't control, things like utilities or things that we feel like they are. We've tried in our buildings even over the summer, like adjusting the thermostats or like doing things for spaces that we've closed down to try to just as much as we can control those costs or do things in-house like cleaning or certain things that we needed to to maintain while we were closed for the time just to try to save some of those costs. And now obviously that we're open again, we're making sure that those are back on. But even things that in the past, I would have said that's a fixed cost. You can't do anything about it. We are even trying to be creative and to control those as much as we were able to as well, just to trim as much as we could. Yeah, that's a great comment. Um, I want to talk about year end now, these last two months. And uh, part of the reason for this podcast unapologetically is that you and I both know these final months of giving are by far the most critical to our uh, calendar year. And so first things first, just so people who are listening can can be reminded of this, of our overall operating budget or of our overall revenue that comes in in a year, how much money typically comes in just during the final month or even during the final week? Yeah, the final month, I was just looking at that, like 20 to 25% of our entire budget comes in in those final weeks. And in the like the final week, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I don't know what that percentage is, but a lot. Like it's actually surprising. <laughs> and um, just, yeah, it's, it's, we monitor it to the end. Like you say, these past few weeks, it's, we're on it and it's a large portion. Yeah. Like our church budget is somewhere in the name, just the, 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 the budget that corresponds to our donations revenue. Um, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of $2.4 million, which over 12 months is about 200 grand a month. And I know that we bring in, you know, depending on month, four, four weeks, five weeks, whatever, we bring in between 150 and 200 or so grand each month throughout the year. And we're usually behind as we head into, mm -hmm. into year end. I know last year in the four weeks of December, we brought in over $600,000 just in December yeah. alone. Yeah. And some somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 or maybe even over $300,000 just in the final week. Yes, that's true. And so for people listening, like when Kathy says 20 to 25%, last year it was it was like 25% of our whole year yeah. was in the final month and over 10%, probably 12, 13% was in the very last week. So it's it's so significant in the way that that year end kind of approaches. So my next question is a little more dangerous like what sense are you getting as the finance director who kind of knows the dynamics behind the scenes? What sense are you getting? As to the impact of COVID on our year-end capacity? The sense that I'm getting, um, yeah, I, I think just even as just a person observing what's happening in our world, I think that there's a lot of uncertainty for people. And I think that it can really just season to like the fear that is kind of within each of us if we let it in that sense that it could affect our giving that we would yeah, just that fear could overtake of just the ability for us to do the things that we feel like we need to do financially. And yeah, I mean, the reality also people's jobs or things like that, that also could affect it. Like if someone's lost their job or their business is suffering, then that could obviously affect it. Um, 
But I know we've, I mean, we've seen financial uncertainty in the past. This isn't the first year. I mean, it's the hundred years of a pandemic, but or a pandemic in the last hundred years or whatever. But we've seen financial uncertainty in our society, but in 08 and other times, yeah, we we've seen that. And, but we've also seen God move in people's hearts with generosity over those years. And so I, I believe that that is true. I believe that that, that if we allow God will move in our hearts and he will provide, like we say it often and that where God guides, God provides. And if we believe that we're doing our best to be responsible, what he's given with us, I'm trusting that he will provide and will move in the hearts of the people of our community to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, for people who are listening and are going to be curious between now and year end, uh, what kind of updates do we plan on providing to let people know how we're doing as we approach the end of December? Well, this week, um, for those who have donated so far this year, uh, you'll receive a giving statement in the mail with a letter from Jeff with some of this information that we're talking about and encouraging us as we head to the end of the year. So you can look for that in your mailboxes, um, as well as we've done in the past, like emails to our church membership, and even as we have on the Sunday mornings, as you mentioned, um, during the Sunday morning service as well, we'll provide those updates because, as you said, a lot of people are asking about this. So we believe that as a community, we care about this. And so we want to keep people informed in um, the channels that we generally use to communicate with people on where we're at. So they can keep included in this conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, final set of questions, Kath. Um, I, I feel like, or just to remind people that all of these conversations about money and about financial stewardship, they're not just for church fundraising purposes, mm -hmm. right? They're for faith and for faith development purposes. I once heard a person say, you know, when you're talking about money, it's not about raising funds. It's about raising people into the image of God. And I know for you, aside from the accounting side, the, the behind the scenes work that you do as a job, you're also very passionate about this. <clears throat> excuse me, from the financial stewardship side. So share with us a little bit where that passion for faithful and generous financial stewardship comes from in you. Yeah, for me, um, I, I grew up in the church. So giving to the, the church and giving 10% and things like that was something I grew up with. And so I've known about it. And as a rule follower, I think that's where it started for me. But Really, over the years, it's changed to be a really fundamental part of my followership of Jesus. Like in Matthew 6, where it says, like, where your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. Like, for me, that's that's true. I know that about myself. When I tend to drift towards whether it's things or events I have planned or those things, the control and the worry is something around money that I that grip can get a hold of me. And so just being just passionate about this or choosing to follow um, what I believe God is calling me to do in that is just a way for me to just practically kind of loosen the grip that just I would have a tendency to have, if I'm honest, control in a lot of areas of my life. Maybe I'm a bit of a control freak, but just to loosen the grip and just to be able to open my hands and say like, God, like all of this is yours. And if I want to be all in with God, like I just got to put my money where my mouth is. And I just, and there's a freedom and there's just something in that, that I've just found over the years that I just, 
yeah, that I experience and I just, yeah, I can go on and on about that, but I, I just feel really passionate and strongly about it, that it changes something in me and in us when we do this. Yeah. And for me, the biggest thing that it, that it changes or that it frames is the posture of my relationship with God. Like it's that fundamental mm-hmm. when, when you engage in the values and the behaviors of financial stewardship, again, very secondarily, does it have anything to do with where the money is going? Mm-hmm, for first sure. things first is the posture that this money isn't mine, mm-hmm. that I'm actually not the owner of it, that God's the owner of it. And he's entrusted it to me for a time to use for his purposes. And part of the way that he entrusts it to me is to give back those, what he calls his first fruits. And the giving back of the first fruits is the first things first behavior that says to God, God, I recognize that this is yours, not mine, and that you're the owner and I'm the steward. It's basically, for me, it's it's so deep that it's it's about saying, God, this is the way I'm reminded that you're God and I'm not. Mm-hmm. Where I find that everything else then about how my life plays out is a function of that posture and of that right sizing of who's God and who's not. Mm-hmm. And so then the generosity, faithfulness, uh, you know, stewardship and things that flow out of that, that benefit the church or, or that, that enable us to pool together resources to do together what we can't do alone, blah, 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 like that. That's all secondary. First mm-hmm. things first, it's a faith correcting, faith stretching, mm-hmm. faith defining thing for me, just in the privacy of who I am with, with Christ. And I hear a, a mm-hmm. very similar dynamic with you. Mm-hmm. Um, along those lines, um, just as we wrap up, talk a little bit about how you, maybe even personally, and some of your network of finance-oriented supports could walk with people and help them grow in their faithfulness and in their generosity and giving. Because one thing people may not be aware of is that we have people who are available to help people figure this out if this is something that you're interested in. Yeah, as I said, I I love to talk about this. And and I know there's others like me that love to just the practical of, yeah, like helping people look at their spending or looking at just if they feel like they're overwhelmed by all of it, just to, not just around giving, but just your financial situation in general. There's folks like myself and others who are passionate about that, that could help you answer specific questions, walk alongside you as you're trying to navigate some of these things. And um, yeah, I'd happy to answer questions or yeah, that you would have to, to support you in that. That's great. That's great. Um, Kath, thanks for being here. Any, uh, any final encouragements or challenges to our members as we approach year end when it comes to finishing the year financially strong beyond show me the money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say just what Jeff was saying, like if to, to really take some time to prayerfully consider and think about like how your money and the way that you handle it and those things like where God may wanting to be growing you or challenging you in that mindset of how that can change the trajectory of even the rest of the decisions we make by kind of making this a priority and just really considering, yeah, taking some time to practically look at your finances in even more so your heart attitude and your mindset about it of ways that God were wanting to grow and change that in you to, yeah, just expand your vision of what 
he would be calling you to do just in lots of areas of your life potentially. Yeah. And I would say to the very practical dynamic of the, the fundraising side or the, the, the church economy is to remember just because we're not gathering as a church doesn't mean we don't have expenses. Mm-hmm. And people have to be reminded of that too, that, right. that, uh, our, our budget these days, the way that we steward our finances, we only invest 18 or so percent in everything related to our weekend service. We invest somewhere in the neighborhood of 28 or so percent into our midweek activity, life groups, student ministry, things like that, community life. And somewhere over 50, I think it was 54 percent this year into stimulating that lifestyle of action through our local and global anchor causes. And the majority of this has continued, even in relation to Sundays, our Sunday morning department, our ministry has pivoted now to producing online services. And so um, just because the in-person gathering on Sunday morning doesn't happen, doesn't mean that we're not seeing God at work. and doesn't mean that we don't have financial needs. So don't let yourself uh, fall into that uh, kind of misunderstanding as well. We actually do need people's generous and faithfulness support. Sometimes people assume that ah, Southridge is fine. They're they're they'll they'll right. take a lick and keep on ticking. Uh, we right. do need people uh, to mm. to be generous and faithful in these next two months. So we appreciate you uh, listening to this and engaging with us, Kath. Thanks again for joining us, and we will continue down this journey again next week as we continue finding our way together. Thanks again, everybody. 